That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, I gotta say, you're looking good as we get to record for Christ the King Sunday. Uh, in fact, you look practically royal. Thank like you. A divine right monarch. I always dress up and put on the crown on uh, for Christ the King Sunday, and so it should looks you. Very, just looking at you looks very natural. It doesn't look <laughs> ostentatious at all. No. I like that you've gone with more the tiara look than uh, the full, <laughs> you know, uh, full crown. It's it's well, tasteful. It's understated. For, for full disclosure, um, I've lost my crown, and so I'm wearing my daughter's tiara. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, um, it is important to have a crown on uh, Christ the King Sunday because we have been crowned with his righteousness and his glory. And uh, really, that's what we're getting at. Christ the King, though, Aaron, uh, tell us a little bit about it. It's a, a relatively new liturgical uh, holiday. It represents the end of the uh, liturgical year, and that means we've actually been doing the show for just about a year. But nonetheless, um, tell us a little bit about it. Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. uh, it was developed uh, in the 20th century, really. Uh, in, it was started in the Roman church and then has kind of spread uh, more broadly. <laughs> the Church of Rome came up with this one. And the idea was to reassert the idea of Christ's kingship, Christ's... Uh, are, you know, the Prince of Peace, and he shall be called our governor and all that sort of stuff, that this idea of Christ, in opposition to worldly systems of power mm -hmm. that are based on might and strength and often military sort of power. Uh, and it was after the really brutal wars in the first part of the 20th century that the, the Roman church, and I think it was one of the Pope Piuses mm -hmm. that said, let's reassert this idea of Jesus Christ and give him, give this theological idea a day in the church calendar. And because it, it's a good way to kind of end uh, the season after Pentecost heading into Advent, where you're going to be getting ready for the birth of this Christ child, this uh, king. Uh, that it, it made it was just sort of a good transitional Sunday. So that's Christ the King, and mm. that's the day that is coming up this Sunday. And uh, some of you, our listeners, might be in places where churches have moved to the phrase the reign of Christ because there's a part of the <laughs> church that gets uncomfortable with kingship language, and we're not going to wade into that in the deep waters. But I will say just a little bit, this is one of those examples where most of the people in your church have no idea that this is a theological debate that people are having. Um, the word king is something that is used throughout Scripture to, to talk about God and to talk about Jesus. And as we'll see as we look in the readings today, um, 
it's usually in a way that it redefines and subverts human understandings of power. So the if we give up the term, we give up the chance to redefine it in a more Christian way. And so we'll talk right. more about that. But that's, yeah. my, that's my little thought on that well, one. Well, and I loved your thought earlier before we hit record. Um, the only way we would celebrate the reign of Christ Sunday here at Calvary St. George's is if it was the purple reign of Christ. And so... Purple reign! <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Standing underneath, uh, and uh, Jesus yeah. would be a prince. So, but uh, or maybe prince. just a symbol. So, but uh, <laughs> Prince Rogers Nelson. Yeah, yeah, what an amazing guy. Uh, that's right. So, if you want to have the purple reign of Christ on your bulletin, go for it. We totally endorse fun. that. Yeah, we endorse, we endorse that a hundred percent. So, um, but we uh, the first Jake, reading the, is the, the regions where you and I will eventually ever be able to serve in the Episcopal Church just get smaller and smaller with each episode. So. Just limiting our careers for y'all, <laughs> listeners. That's what we're doing. So uh, this is our cross, and we're proud to bear it. But uh, uh, so we have we come on our first reading here. It's uh, Jeremiah twenty three verses one through six, and really, I mean, I love how you said, and what the point of Christ the King is all about is to um, establish a dichotomy between the between the rulers of this world and how they rule, and uh, and Christ and how He rules, and uh, you and Jeremiah opens up by saying, "Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture," and really, this is this is how this is how worldly rulers rule. They mm-hmm. uh, destroy because it's ultimately about them. It uh, the, right. the rule is fixated on them. And so uh, God then, through the prophet Jeremiah, prophesies that he's actually going to um, do something different. That's right. Uh, he, he, this passage talks about God being the one to raise up new shepherds. And there's a, there is an element here where it's very much on one layer about new political rulers for Judah and Israel yeah. uh, that will restore the nations of Israel, the, the tribes of Israel who've been scattered, and there's a diaspora, and this is after the exile. And so it's there is a, a this worldly, very much in that time, political meaning of this passage. But there's also, like there always is in most of Scripture, another layer or multiple layers. And so there's a messianic forward-looking part here, very much about Christ. So the days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king. And this is looking towards Christ, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it says, his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. So we've been pointing to this idea that in Christ, our righteousness no longer comes from ourself, but from someone outside of us. So this is, um, again, a profound, beautiful statement of God's one-way love. This is something he's going to do. He's not saying, I want you guys to clean house and restore political sanity to Israel. He's saying, I am going to do this. You guys clearly have not been able to get it together. So I will do it. I will raise up the righteous branch and he will be king. He will be wise. He will bring justice and righteousness. And uh, and again, we're going to see that fulfilled in Christ. It's going to look different than even those hearers thought uh, because Jesus is not going to be an earthly king. But um, I think if you were to emphasize something here, it's that uh, God wants to do something different from an earthly kind of king. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's what, yeah. anything else you would say about Jeremiah 23? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it, you're absolutely right. This is ultimately <clears throat> driving us towards, um, towards Jesus. And so, you know, uh, God is going to raise up faithful people in the midst of Israel over this time that will continue to point and, uh, point to and herald the coming Messiah. And when the coming Messiah finally comes, 
um, how God is going to restore um, Israel is not through a lot of ways, uh, not through a lot of branches, but um, he will raise up for David a righteous branch. And that's very important. You see that in the prophets. Um, you know, out of, the, out of the stump of Jesse, I shall raise forth a shoot. It's singular. Mm-hmm. Um, out of this like nation that I myself actually chopped down, I used Assyria and Babylon to do it. I am raising, going to raise up someone that will a a, a, a king, but it's only going to be one, and uh, that's kind of the that's the drive home to Jesus. And like you said, he's going to rule wisely. He's going to execute justice and righteous in the land, um, and that justice is going to fall upon him. And uh, and by falling upon him, we receive that righteousness. Yeah, and, uh, and the whole world does. And so, I mean, that's really cool. And that's how the Lord is our righteousness, <clears throat> not the Lord and you in partnership, but uh, the Lord is our righteousness. Yeah, and I think I would add, too, if you wanted to go uh, salvation history and sort of the arc of the Bible here, one of the things, and by arc, I don't mean the thing that we saw in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean the ARC, the, the arc of the narrative. Mm-hmm. You have a a coming back here to an original idea in scripture when before Israel had kings, they God was their king. And it That's wasn't right. until the people asked Samuel the prophet, we want to be like the other nations and we want to have kings and an army and taxes because all the other cool kids in the ancient Near East have it. And God said, no, it's going to be a bad deal. And he said, no, no, we want it, we want it. And God says, fine, tells Samuel, let them have their king. And, the, and that begins the whole saga where they are moving away from trusting in God alone and him to rule over them uh, and towards human systems of leadership, which God in his humility and grace is even able to use that and gives that to them, even though it was a bad idea. So they've gone through this whole time of experimenting with human kings and it's been a f- massive failure. Yeah, and so God and is saying, is- we're going to... We're going to come back to the to the time when I am your king. Basically, this is this is not just a human king that we're talking about here. That that's why his name will be the Lord is our Yahweh is our righteousness. This yeah. is this is not a necessarily human king in a human castle in a human robe with a big crown on his head. There's something different happening here. That's right. And so you know, and so and remember the the Davidic kingship has been wiped out by this point. And so what this does is the prophets being part of the foundation thrust the people towards Jesus, who's the chief cornerstone. And then we come to our reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20, and we see how the apostles, that other part of the foundation, point back to Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20, um, St. Paul really um, gives us a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. But before that, you have to remember Colossae, the city where this church was at, was right on the, um, the main trade routes of a lot of trade in the Roman Empire. And so there were all sorts of ideas coming in about religion. And uh, especially around St. Paul's time in that city of Colossae, there was a religious revival going on. But not necessarily with the Roman gods. People were really interested in um, kind of the Egyptian pantheon and the Greek pantheon. And so there are um, the Assyrian pantheon. And so there's all of this stuff going on. And this is the church where Paul drops in and begins to um, let them know, uh, one, what Jesus has done, and then who he actually is. Because there was all sorts of thoughts about who Jesus was mixed in with all of these this, this religious insight, new religious insight. Right, and in Colossians, we're beginning to see this idea of um, Christ uh, that is so 
much larger and um, kind of mind-blowing compared yeah. to uh, how um, many of us often think of Jesus being our buddy and uh, Jesus is just all right with me. And uh, But to say that Jesus here in verse 17 is before all things and in him all things hold together. That means um, the uh, electrons that are whizzing around your body, the uh, giant squids at the bottom of the ocean, uh, the the you know Alpha Centauri, the star nearest to us, except other than the sun, uh, all these things hold together in Christ, and so it's this big, huge view of Christ, which is really wonderful. I think and this is what Christ the King is about. It's about pointing out to people the false kings that we follow, the false systems, the things that promise us the world but give us nothing, um, whether it's political systems or materialistic systems or even some religious systems or, uh, you know, paleo, clean, 30, CrossFit, uh, whatever new systems you're in, all these things that promise enlightenment or whatever. Uh, and some of them are good as far as they go, but we, we ask them to do too much for us and they don't make us happy. They don't mm. fill us. They don't save us in that biblical language. And so Christ the King this Sunday is about pointing out that there is a King who is over all things, who holds together all things. And he, as in Jeremiah, is that good shepherd that will take care of us and he will be our righteousness. And so it's, it's a chance to retrain your congregation to see Christ as he is in his power, in his glory, over and against the, the systems of the world. And this is what Paul is doing here. And there's this whole idea, you know, that we get from Dan Brown and other places that Jesus was this rabbi, this dusty rabbi, kind of a cool, groovy dude, very big Lebowski-esque, um, that had some good things to say. And then much later, you know, the councils of uh, the church and Constantine kind of made this big, fancy deity Jesus. But you see here, Paul is getting here very early in the in the decades after Christ's death and resurrection. So already yeah. in Colossians 1, uh, which is before the destruction of the temple, this is all very early stuff, you're seeing him say about Jesus Christ. He's, and this is amazing for a Jewish man to say this, for Paul, a Pharisee, a rabbi, to say that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's almost like breaking the first two commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then to say he's the first one of all creation, everything in heaven on earth was created yeah, for, yeah, it was created in him, visible and invisible. Yeah. So this is just, it's an amazing view of Christ. I'm, I'm talking too much, but, yeah. but this is a powerful thing. Yeah, well, I appreciate your passion. Woo! <laughs> so, but yeah, I think, um, and now you know, it's you interesting, it we're, doing a, we're doing a, a we do uh, biannually a joint ecumenical Bible study with the Brotherhood Synagogue here on Gramercy Park. And um, it's interesting, this this particular time, they wanted to study the Sermon on the Mount, which makes me very nervous. Um, but nonetheless, so we looked and uh, uh, somebody made the comment, they were like, yeah, but there were lots of messiahs in Jesus's day running all over the place. And, you know, and, and lots of messiahs saying really interesting things. And I made the point, I said, you're absolutely right, Um, but why the early Christians who were Jewish and uh, those early Christians across the the Mediterranean world hung their hat on Jesus is because 
he rose from the dead. And this is what St. Paul is getting at. And a lot of people like get confused on this firstborn from the dead. What it means is, is that he is the first to resurrect from the dead. Um, you know, death is definitely certain, but it's only 99% certain because one has <laughs> been risen from the dead. And then so that he might come to have first place in everything. What that means is essentially is that in his resurrection from the dead, God has vindicated Jesus and made him like his resurrection says, yep, you're number one. Yep. And then for in him, though, like what you saw, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him because there was this idea that somehow maybe Jesus was lesser than God, but greater than the angels. No, no, no. It was all there. And uh, because it was all there, he wasn't like what the other gods that you see in these pantheons do. Um, you know, who don't touch humanity, who stay away from humanity, who are too good for humanity. Paul hammers home and says, through him, God was actually pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through something crazy and offensive, the blood of his cross. Mm. And that is very powerful. And that is what Jesus's kingship is all about. It is not in this age, first and foremost, about a crown and glory. It is about a cross. It is about blood. It's about sweat and it's about tears. And this is why he is, as Jeremiah pointed out, different from the other shepherds because he's not taking, taking, taking. Jesus is giving, 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 giving all of himself to you. Um, and he continues to give all. And preacher, that is your job as a shepherd is to give them all of Jesus, all of the gospel. On Christ the King Sunday, don't give them something to do for this king. Remind them that this king has done absolutely everything for them. And this really bridges us right into the gospel, Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. Yeah, and uh, if I could say just one more thing that's sort of crazy about that Colossians passage is that you have the two very difficult to hold together truths, those paradoxical truths that Jesus Christ is the one, I mean, it's unbelievable. All things were created through him and he died on the cross. So yeah. the death of God is very much central here. And as you said, it connects very personally, pastorally, existentially to people that the message is not this king comes in judgment, but this king comes to reconcile um, yeah. all things. And yeah. And, and it's really key too. You cannot miss this if you're going to preach from Colossians. The past tense in the first paragraph, <clears throat> he has rescued you from yeah. the power of darkness. We have redemption and the forgiveness transferred of yeah. us yeah. into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. You know, that is really, really important because the gods of this world, that's the kingdom of darkness. Mm -hmm. That's the kingdom of darkness. And we are all, by virtue of original sin, born into that darkness. And the point is, is that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, which uh, the promise is given to you at baptism, transfers you into the kingdom. It's done. There's nothing else to do. Yeah, that's right. And so, it, preachers, I would say if you're tempted to make Christ the King Sunday about how Jesus is over and higher than political systems and current political rulers and all that sort of stuff, yes, but don't stop there. 
make sure that you connect it to this fact that this king loves and forgives uh, and brings redemption and reconciliation, which now back to Jake's excellent segue from before ties perfectly <laughs> into Luke 23. And again, these are readings that are not going to be coming in chronological order of where you've been in the lectionary. These are sort of coming out of nowhere, although we have kind of been in Luke, but there's a major jumping around here, again, to get these ideas of what does it mean to have Jesus Christ as our king, this one who's about to come. We're going to start getting ready for him in Advent, and uh, and we're going to have a lot of stuff in Advent about when he comes back again. But who is Christ the King from Christ the King Sunday? From Jeremiah, you get this idea that it's this good shepherd, not like human shepherds, failed kings, but someone who's going to be coming, a singular person. We get this incredible picture of it from St. Paul in Colossians, that it's Christ who created everything in and for and through him, uh, and then reconciles and forgives us. And then Luke shows us how that happens. So we are going now from Colossians back in time to the crucifixion. We're going, we're hitting rewind and we're going back to Golgotha, the place and, called the skull. And there all of a sudden Jesus is saying, I almost see this as like as a, you know, in Harry Potter uh, in the movies, it'll be like sort of nice and at Hogwarts and it's sort of happy and Dumbledore is there and there's candles glowing and funny paintings that move. And then suddenly Harry Potter gets into some sort of trance and he's, now it's sort of a flashback and it's gray and it's dark and there's smoke machines and mm. uh, it just looks like a haunted house. That's almost like what's happening here because suddenly we're in this dark, stormy place of yeah. Jesus getting crucified. Mm. And we're seeing Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're seeing him say what Paul just talked about, redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And this is really the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus right here. Right. This, the cross, is the glory of God in this age. Um, you cannot jump past the cross. You need to be right there um, to see all of God's glory for you. This is glory meeting you right exactly where you're at. And I love this. And there he is. And if you remember uh, James and John, they asked if they could sit at his left and right hand. And you remember Jesus said um, earlier in the Gospels, and remember Jesus said, that's not for uh, me to, uh, to decide, but it's already been appointed. And that's because it was already appointed that Jesus, before the foundations of the world, would die a criminal death. And there he is with two uh, criminals to the left and right. And you see really here all of humanity culminating right here on Golgotha and this whole scene. And it begins with, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Because uh, the truth is, is that when it comes to God, um, unless you received a revelation, and that is that revelation is Jesus, uh, we got no idea what we're doing. That's right. Uh, and even, you know, I've got uh, in my office uh, a hand-carved replica of this. It's wooden, and it's this cross that's in the Ooh, Anglican. fancy. I know. Well, it was a gift of a parishioner. It was. It's a replica of the cross that is in the um, uh, um, Episcopal Church in Frankfurt, Germany, mm. and it's Christus Rex. It's Christ the King, and it shows him with a crown, but it still shows him on a cross, and it mm. shows him with the holes in his hands and his feet. So this is a wounded king. This is a king who suffers. And this is what we get. You know, we're, Christ the King Sunday is going to begin, if you're if you're a good Episcopal cleric at all, you will not mess with the hymns and you'll begin with crown him with many crowns, yep. which is this great uh, uplifting anthem at the beginning of your service. Um, and it's, it's very regal and majestic. But we do this wonderful Christian thing at the end in Luke 23. We end not in a throne room like uh, if you if I was just walking around the Louvre and looking at the old throne of the of King all the King Louis and 
It's so fancy and so nice. This, the throne room of Jesus Christ, is this. We end on a cross, and this shows us who he really is. It shows him up against systems of earthly power. You know, they say, if you're king of the Jews, save yourself, and he doesn't. And over him is written, this is the king of the Jews, and yet he's dying, uh, essentially hanging from a noose, hanging from a cross. Uh, this is how Christians understand the world and the kingship of Christ, that he is the one who um, is working under and beneath mm-hmm. and behind uh, earthly systems of power. He's working in things where we think God can't work. He's working to save people who we think can't be saved, sinners, people that are next to him. And yet we have this uh, this picture of the man next to Jesus, this criminal, yeah. this person who says, Powerful. remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's yeah, someone who clearly that. by earthly appearances has no kingdom, yet he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's just an incredible picture of faith. And Jesus says, of course, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, traditionally, um, that that um, that criminal is known as Saint Dismas, yep. and uh, um, and if I ever planted a church, I would name that church Saint Dismas, because uh, what you are seeing right here is the least uh, the, the least pretentious moment in the entire Bible. Yep. Uh, this guy absolutely has nothing. This is the picture of both both are both are pictures of human. You have right there. In with Jesus and the two criminals, the entire portrait of humanity. You have one who s- saves, save yourself, because that's what earthly kings do. That's what every human being's instinct is to do. This is why you find yourself with so much anxiety. This is why you find yourself in such pickles, because you've been trying to save yourself. This is why you find you can't talk to your neighbor, you can't talk to your kids, you can't talk to your wife, because you've been trying to save yourself. And then you have a picture of the one very God, a very God, but very man, a very man, who lays his life down for the whole world, the one true Adam. And then the other picture of the other side of humanity that realizes, oh my God, uh, you know, I know who I am, uh, save me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Jesus doesn't say, well, it's a little late. Or, you know, he doesn't say, you know, have I got some steps for you? I don't know if you really mean it. (laughs) Yeah. Are you sincere? Are you just doing this to get out of hell? (laughs) Uh, Maybe, but would you save me? And Jesus (laughs) is like, today you will be with me in paradise. It is just a straight shot. But this is the image. Jeremiah is calling for a true shepherd that's coming. And this shepherd is also our king who shepherds us lost sheep. Uh, through his death um, into life everlasting. And uh, this, um, you know, so in this age, glory is a cross, but we're coming to a place where uh, we aren't even going to, we can't even define what real glory is. That's right. Well, and I think if if you can preach that message or come close to preaching that message, uh, that Jesus is this king for us, but the kingship looks very different uh, and that in the things for us where we feel like we're not in a throne room but on a cross, that Christ is with us there. Um, and that if you feel, when you can think about the, the kingdom of Christ or the kingship of Christ, that you feel sort of, um, that that makes Jesus feel distant and far away from you because you're not a good subject and uh, it just feels remote. Um, I think looking at this scene of Jesus on the cross with this man next to him, forgive, uh, you know, remember me when you come him, come into your kingdom is, is a powerful thing. I might have to mention the story from Dolly Parton's America, this podcast that I'm now completely mm-hmm. hooked on about how she 
has this story of forgiveness with Porter Wagoner. I can't say enough about it. I'm not going to tell the story now, uh, but if you want an illustration of what forgiveness looks like that can help you get to get to people's hearts. I just shared it recently in a Bible study I teach here, and we were all sort of weeping at the story. And, and her quote is, uh, Dolly Parton says, well, forgiveness is everything. And, and this is what you see in this passage, and this is what the kingdom of Christ is about. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a, a good cleric, you're also going to probably sing, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Yep. And Christ the, sing, Christ the King Sunday. And I love uh, verse five, sinners whose love can ne'er forget the wormwood and the gall. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him, crown him Lord of all. And uh, really that's what it's all about. Uh, Take your crown off uh, because there is a much better crown that's been given to you and it's Jesus and all of his righteousness. And so uh, happy preaching everybody and uh, happy Christ the King and purple reign of Christ Sunday. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you liked what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.